Hello, and welcome to Help, I'm Going Blind, my visually impaired podcast with me, Ben. Hello. That's the one, oi. How did he not find a baggie with his hand in my shoe? Way too close for me. Oh, well, at least they allowed me through. Should be a good night in here. Ramo in the main room. People keep pushing me, though. No reception on the phone. And I'm thinking, Lights are blinding my eyes. They said they'd be here, they said. They said in the corner. And I'm thinking, So this is episode one of my first ever podcast. That's a strange thing to say. But here we are. I'm well aware this might well just be me talking to myself in my bedroom with no one actually listening, and that's fine. Because, uh, to be honest with you, I would just be talking to myself in my bedroom anyway, so it's now nice to have an excuse. Um, Yeah, so the point of this podcast is to document what's happening in my life. Uh, I'm desperately not, desperately trying not to say the word journey here, because that all sounds a little bit X-factor. But I'm documenting uh, the current procedure, no, the current circumstances within which I find myself in my life. Which, in short, is that I have gone blind. I've lost my eyesight. And that's all very new, very scary to me. And I, well, no, someone, a few people suggested to me that it might be a good idea to use a podcast as a format through which I could share what's happened to me. Tell some funny stories, uh, maybe be a little bit honest at times, which is something that I struggle with, you know, being a man, being a stupid silly boy. I'm not always that confident talking in an honest and forthright manner about how I'm feeling and what's going on in my life. So hopefully this podcast will be an opportunity to do just that. I should say now that you've probably already gathered that I am an idiot uh, I'm no expert, I'm not an authority on any of this, it's all very new to me, it's all very scary, I'm learning all the time about what I need to do to get the support I need, and what my life might entail from now on, living with this disability, so I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast with the intention of learning exactly how to deal with going blind, or getting advice from someone who's been there and done that, because at this stage I haven't, and I don't know what's going on, I really haven't got a clue. This is just an idiot, me, rambling on about the difficult thing that's happening in his life at the moment, and wrestling with it and trying to come to terms with it, and hopefully having a laugh along the way, hopefully hearing some cool stories hopefully talking to some other people who know more than me, who are further along on this journey than me, who are at different stages of their you know, relationship with visual impairments. And hopefully together we might learn some things or have a laugh. Or it might well be that this podcast ends up being my friends and family uh, listening to me, having a catch-up, hearing what's happened in my life, which is cool as well. That would be great. Let's see what happens. Blindness. While I'm worth my rubble.
So I should explain a little bit about myself and my eyes. Because those of you who haven't encountered visual impairment yourself first or second hand might know some of the might not know some of the minutiae, is that a word? I think that's a word. So although I am classed as blind, that doesn't mean that I don't have any sight at all. It's not as black and white as you might think. I believe the correct terminology is severely sight impaired or severely visually impaired. See, I'm already proving that I'm an idiot and I don't actually know the correct terminology, but this is my understanding of it, which means blind. So on my, uh, I have a certificate of visual impairment and it says Ben Wilson classed as severely sight impaired, open brackets, blind, close brackets. And that is the most severe classification of visual impairment. But I do have some sight. My left eye has a tiny little dot of sight in the middle. My right eye still has a little, quite a bit of vision. Uh, it's tunnel vision. I can only see something if it's right in front of me. Which means I can still read, which is very nice, as long as it's large print and I'm in a well-lit room, I can still read. And I can get about, I have my white stick, before I had my white stick, getting about was difficult. Now I've got that, I can get about alright, you know. I have to be a bit careful, do knock into things, do run the risk of tripping over every now and again, which isn't great for the old ego, but the white stick's helping there. And I first had eyesight problems when I was eight years old. I was diagnosed with a thing called uveitis, which is inflammation of the iris. Now, again, you're going to hear my idiocy. I, all these years later, still don't really know what that means. Uh, the way it's been described to me before is as a bit like arthritis, but in your eye. You know, anything that ends in itis is inflammation. There you go. I'm sure you all knew that more than me. Like I said, I'm an idiot. Uh, the treatment for uveitis then caused secondary glaucoma. I'm sure a lot of you will have heard of glaucoma. It's a much more famous eye condition. It's probably an A-list celebrity eye condition compared to you know, the D-list of uveitis. Uh, and glaucoma is too much pressure in the eye, which obviously causes lots of problems in your eye and, and in the nerve that holds your eye in place. Throughout my teens and into my twenties, I suffered a lot with the glaucoma. I had to have plenty of surgeries. I've been on various treatments to get it under control, and it it never has been under control. Neither has the uveitis. They've never gone away, which is you know makes me quite a unique case. <laughs> Doctors often look at my eyes and nearly have a panic attack because by the time people get to the number of surgeries that I've had and the amount of treatment I've had, they're normally completely blind with no eyesight at all or they're cured and they're all right it's so rare uh, for someone to have had the amount of treatment that i've had and still be suffering and still have some sight to save and so my eyesight has gone gradually and deteriorated gradually over time from that moment at eight years old it's got steadily steadily worse and worse until the position i'm in now Weirdly now, this might seem strange to people who know me, I didn't even really need to, wear, need to wear glasses all the time until I was about 14 years old. I got my first pair of glasses when I was 11, but then I only kind of wore them to, you know, read the board in classrooms or to maybe if I was going to the cinema. 
to see the screen properly. But in my everyday life, I didn't really wear them much until I was 13, 14. Which is so strange that my eyesight can go from, you know, nearly 2020, not really needing glasses, to what it is now relatively quickly in, you know, a decade, less than a decade. No, about a decade, not less than a decade. Which might, like I said, might surprise people who know me. It was then when I was, I suppose, 19, I think, when my left eye went to the state that it's in now, nearly went completely. But even then, it didn't affect my everyday life. You know, you can, you can get by on one eye. It's all right. It's fine. I think mean, I think I probably still could have legally drove if I wanted to, but I, you know, my, I didn't have the confidence to do that with my eyesight. And then it started to affect my everyday life, I'd say, when I was about 21. You know, on nights out in nightclubs, dark, dingy nightclubs, I'd lose my friends and not be able to find them again all night. Or I'd start to stroll to read the subtitles on on the TV or at the cinema. Maybe I'd, you know, not quite be able to follow the football when I went to the match. That sort of thing. But still, that's not really major problems. They're not things you you can't handle. And then about about two years ago, I was doing my master's degree and things started to become more and more of a problem until there was a, a three-week period, I think, but maybe even more than that, maybe a month or so. I was doing a play called The Misanthrope. Uh, I'm an actor, I've not actually mentioned that yet. Oh, have I? I can't remember. Well, well, I'm an actor and I was doing my master's degree in acting and we were performing a play called The Misanthrope. I remember during the week of that performance and for the weeks after, I couldn't read. Uh, my eyesight, for whatever reason, I must have had a flare-up in one of my conditions and I couldn't read. I didn't tell anyone that. In fact, this is the first time I've mentioned that, which is you know, another hint, another bit of evidence to suggest that I am an idiot. I didn't mention it. I didn't talk about it. I found ways to get around it. You know, when I was signing in and out of the theatre, I'd ask one of my friends, oh, will you, will you just sign me out whilst you're there? Uh, when we were in a restaurant uh, looking at the menu, I'd ask the waiter to recommend me something because I couldn't read the menu. And I don't know. I suppose I didn't want to confront the glaring obvious that was staring me right in the face that my eyesight was becoming a serious, serious problem. But that lasted about a month. I mean, my eyesight had deteriorated, but I could read again after a month. And I got on with my life. And then, six months ago, things got bad again. I could I could read this time, but it was my mobility that was suffering. I was knocking into people. I was knocking things over. I couldn't see things being when they were further than a couple of metres in front of me. And, Life was becoming more difficult. I then went and did a, a touring acting job, and I was I was on tour with two lovely girls, and they would have been wonderfully supportive, I'm sure. But I, I didn't talk about it. I didn't mention the fact that it wasn't usual for me that I, when we parked up in a hotel car park, I couldn't see where the hotel entrance was. I couldn't read the signs on the motorway or. Or at the schools where we were performing, I, I couldn't read what was going on. It was, but I was busy, I was keeping myself busy, I, I'd just ignore it. I told myself, oh, it'll get better like it did last time, it'll be fine. 
And then in January this year, it's, it's now the end of March. In fact, it's the, the last couple of days of March now. In January, I, I went into hospital for what I thought was going to be a normal checkup. But they told me I had a huge, huge flare-up in my glaucoma and they weren't going to let me leave the hospital until that was sorted. And so I spent that week in hospital being drugged up to my eyeballs. And that was the moment for me, I think, that I had a few realisations. One, that flare-up took my eyesight to the point it's at now. Where my everyday life is really difficult for a whole myriad of reasons. And lying there in that hospital bed, it makes you question some things. It makes you stew on some horrible thoughts. And I was in a really dark place. And I had some difficult questions to deal with. And then I decided finally, after all these years of thinking about it, I should I should get myself classified as, as visually impaired, as disabled. Because I'm sure there's some help I can get from somewhere. So I spoke to my doctor about that. And I was expecting him to say, uh, mildly visually impaired, or partially sighted, or whatever the terminology is. That I was expecting it to be the, the mildest classification. Because I could, I could still see, I'm fine, right? And as I walked in the door on the way into the appointment, yeah. Couldn't read the signs at the hospital. And then the doctor said to me, you're blind. And that's a really weird thing to hear. Because to be honest with you, I've always thought if you went blind, you'd probably notice. And you wouldn't need telling. But I'd, I was ignoring it. I was desperately trying to get on with my life and struggling to do so. And failing to do so. And ignoring this whole army of problems, this whole myriad of problems, and trying to brush it all under the carpet and bury my head in the sand and various other metaphors that all mean the same thing. That I've got some serious issues here that I need help with. And so that's the point I'm at, I'm at now. I'm starting to deal with some of those problems. Like I said, my white stick has helped me a lot in my mobility. I've got a few other bits and bobs that are helping me. But I'm still scared. I'm still coming to terms with the fact that there's some things that I'm not able to do. Or I'm struggling to do that I never thought I'd struggle to do. I'm scared about what the future might hold. Even going out for a walk is difficult now. A couple of days ago I walked up the hill at the end of my road. I was going to sit on the bench at the top of that hill and look out over the fields like I have done for years. And I lost the path and got horribly lost and took a tumble and fell over. And that was really upsetting. And then that sort of thing sets off loads of other horrible thoughts in your mind. I've imagined myself walking up that hill for the rest of my life. I imagined one day I'd you know, take my future wife up that hill, maybe my kids up that hill and It's a silly thing. I don't know if you guys have that sort of thing in your life. Something you do all the time and is a really nice part of your life and you imagine yourself doing it forever with you know, with your future family. And it's something you can rely on in your future. You know, however crazy things might get in the future, you know you've got this nice thing. 
to rely on. And that walk up that hill is that for me. But I've, I've not got that anymore. And if I can't walk up there myself and I can't find the path and I'm going to fall over, how am I going to be responsible for it? Taking a, you know, a child up there. And then that takes you down a whole other path of what else can't I do as a parent? And I'm not a parent yet, but one day that's something we'd all, well, a lot, most people would like. And what if I can't see my newborn child? What if I can't see my wife on my wedding day walking down the aisle? What if I lose my child in a park or I can't see a danger that is approaching them and they get hurt? How could I live? I mean, that's not even happened yet and it's already upsetting me. But it seems inevitable to me. You know, I can deal with me getting into dangerous situations because I can't see what I'm doing. I can deal with my life becoming more difficult, but then what if my life becoming more difficult then makes other people's life a nightmare and it's already doing that. I already feel like I'm becoming a burden on my family, on my mum and my stepdad and my, my brother and my friends. You know, I've got wonderful friends who have been so kind and generous to me, but I don't want to be a burden on them. I don't want to be the one people have to look after when you're going out and about. I want to be a independent, active, confident person. That's what I've always been, what I've always strived to be. And at the moment, I feel like I can't do that. I got darker than I thought it would soon. I suppose that's all part of this. It's all part of any when anyone deals with something difficult, whether it be an illness or a disability or grief, that the simplest of things can take you down the darkest of paths. And that was an example of that there. So this sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but being blind makes your life really difficult. <laughs> I mean, maybe that sounds obvious, but before you've been there, you kind of think of the obvious things, you know, you struggle to read, your reading becomes a bit more difficult, maybe mobility becomes more difficult, whatever, walking about on your own. But every single aspect of your life becomes trickier. You know, I didn't even, stuff I didn't even imagine. If you can think of a thing in your life, being blind makes that more difficult. Absolutely anything. And uh, it's a bit of a shock, actually. I mean, some ridiculous things become more difficult. I mean, the other day I was in Tesco and a little, no, sorry, it's a one stop, technically. Uh, is that Tesco? I don't know. It's a one stop. Anyway, it's a little corner shop. And uh, a guy came over to me, as people do when you, they see where your white stick and stuff, people are generally really lovely, uh, some people are quite patronising, we'll come back to that, but um, people are more willing to come over and say things and help you out, I've had a couple of people point out to me that my shoelace is untied, like strangers in the street, that's really great, it's genuinely really nice and helpful, as long as you do it in a, you know, a nice way, uh, and this guy came over to me in one stop the other day and was like, oh excuse me, I'm just trying to let you know you're a, 
your t-shirts on inside out i looked at you know i felt it about a bit and uh could feel the crease on the outside i was like oh yeah that's embarrassing isn't it got my t-shirt on inside out i must have had that on like that all day and uh you know that's more difficult putting your clothes on the right way around is more difficult because you can't see what the you know what the hell you're doing then i also thought to myself um when i was there in one stop and this guy told me that i was like what do you want me to do mate (laughs) can we just strip off in the middle of one stop you know it's maybe it's a fashion choice I mean, it wasn't, but, you know, maybe it was. One thing that makes everything more difficult for me is, you know, being blind really knocks your confidence. What well, I'm saying that, I shouldn't generalise. For me, it has really knocked my confidence. You know, it's a, it's a worrying now to go and walk down the street. It's You've got to really think about making a cup of tea, and you've got to really think about everything you do and plan things out more carefully, and it's really taken a bash to my confidence. I... Uh, I feel like I'm a lot more shy and quiet and uh, and insulated now. And I feel quite isolated, isolated and I suppose a little bit lonely at the moment. Even though my friends and family are all being lovely, I feel like I've got all these issues that I'm wrestling with that I, as you can tell, I don't really know how to communicate and how to put into words. And it has really, you know, bashed my confidence. And in my life, I've always felt like I'm a, well, to use a football metaphor, you know, I feel like I'm a confidence player. You know, I'm the sort of player that you need to, uh, the manager needs to put his arm around, tell him how great he is. <laughs> I, uh, I'm like, I'm like Eden Hazard, you know. He's had, no, no, Eden Hazard's a bad example. Raheem Sterling. I am to life what Raheem Sterling is to football. I've always said that. That's one thing they say about Ben Wilson. He's like the Raheem Sterling of life. When... His confidence is up and he's feeling good about himself. He is a great footballer. He's, you know, sometimes almost unplayable. But when his confidence is down and he's not in great form, he looks, you know, shit. Um, Sorry, I didn't want to swear on this. He looks um, shit. Um, And that's how I feel in life sometimes. In all aspects of my life, in my career as an actor, I've always felt that I'm at my best when I'm feeling confident and feeling good about myself as an actor, feeling confident in my ability, and I'm at my worst when I'm questioning it and worrying that I'm maybe I'm not good enough, and that affects my performances. It also affects me in my in my social life. I feel like I'm a more fun person to be around when I'm feeling confident, when I'm feeling relaxed and I'm making jokes, and then other times I go a little bit more insular and a little bit more shy and a little bit more quiet, and I'm less fun to be around, and I have a quieter, less exciting social life. And I suppose the one that I was, I was leaning onto here is uh, my romantic life. Oh, God, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. But it is relevant. I'm someone who has had success, you know, when I'm feeling good about myself. When I'm feeling confident and I feel, you know, cracking jokes and the... Uh, Life and soul of the pie. I can be that at times when I'm feeling confident and I have more success romantically when that's the case. And when I'm feeling good about myself, I'll be more likely to go and, you know, talk to that pretty girl over there because, you know what, maybe she'd be interested too. When I'm not feeling good, I'll just be like, oh, no, she'd never be interested in me. There's, there's no point. And, you know, I'll become that more quiet, insular person and that's, you know, much less attractive. And like I said, nothing will whack your confidence more than losing your eyesight. And so I I don't think I've ever felt less attractive 
I don't think I've ever felt like less of a catch, you know? I was I was in a restaurant the other day. I was in town. I was having some lunch in Handmade Burger Company, if you, if you really want to know. wasn't. I've never been there before. wasn't that impressed. Burger wasn't that great. Don't care if they're handmade or not. They don't taste nice, right? Call me a old-fashioned, but I like my burgers throw a bit of taste to them. But anyway, I'm getting distracted. Uh, burgers often distract me. Well, the point is, waitress who served me was... You know, she was an attractive girl. She was really friendly. She was very polite. And I'll be honest, she was a little bit flirtatious. But because of this wax my confidence, I've had a, I didn't do anything about it. I, You know, me a few months ago, a year ago, whatever, would have, you know, flirted back, would have walked out of that restaurant with her number and gone out for a drink with her. But me now, I, I, didn't, I was a mess. And I suppose I want to know how I'm ever going to get my confidence back, and how I'm ever going to feel like the you know the fiercely independent person that I have been in the past. Because that's when I'm at my best as a a person in my social life, as an actor in my career, as a friend, as someone to hang out with, you know, and as you know a potential love interest. So I suppose any advice there would be great. Oh, God, I'm going to get so much abuse from my mates when they listen to this about this bit. Yeah, but that's the truth. So this is a podcast, in it? So I should interact with you, my audience. So I had a few ideas about how you lot could get involved. So I want to hear some suggestions. If there's anyone out there listening yet who is blind or visually impaired, I'd love to hear from you guys. Any hints and tips you've picked up along the way? Uh, so I've got my white stick now. I've got my uh, water level thingamabob that beeps when your glass is nearly full or your mug of tea is nearly full. That's been really useful. Uh, I've got a magnifier to help me uh, read stuff. It's got a nice bright light on that, uh, which is really useful. Uh, but any other little, you know, gadgets like that. Blind hacks, I think is a good name for that. You know, any any blind hacks, like life hacks, but for blind people. Clever that, isn't it? So if you've got any blind hacks, it doesn't have to be like a physical gadget. It could be a little tip you picked up along the way. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example from my own life. Uh, like, you know, a simple one, making sure you always hold the barrier when you're going down the stairs. Stairs are a big problem for me. Big problem. Oh, the honestly, the, the nightmares that I've had over flights of stairs over the last couple of months, you wouldn't believe. Uh, so yeah, I suppose I want some life hacks. Any tips about surviving life as a blind person would be great. That would be really useful. I want to know, should I look, start learning Braille? How do you do that? I should, I should speak to the RNIB and... Herib, who are the local branch of the RNIB, about that. Uh, is that useful? Would that be a useful enterprise? Anyone know? I don't really know. I don't know how it works. The other thing that I want to hear from, you've probably noticed already, if I've managed to do some editing properly, is you'll notice the songs in between each little segment of me chatting on. And uh, they're all songs, they're all personal favourites of mine. 
I've noticed in recent weeks, so much music or television or films, even in everyday conversation, little phrases that we use, reference being blind or not being able to see, it comes up in conversation all the time. Think about it over the next few days. The next time you're talking to someone, how many times you say, oh, I see, or okay, I'll see you later, (laughs) or you know things like that. It happens all the time. And obviously now, I've got reason to notice that. And I have particularly noticed that with songs and music. I've never noticed before how many of my favourite songs reference blindness, or not being able to see, or sight. And so I'd like to hear some more of them. Uh, Obviously, if I'm going to do more of these podcasts, I'm going to need as many of those songs as possible, as many of those little snippets of music as possible. So I'd love to hear some suggestions. If you guys can think of any songs that talk about blindness, even if in in passing, like uh, one of the ones you heard earlier on, Sunshine on Leith by The Proclaimers, one of my all-time favourite songs, what a banger, has the line, uh, your, tears cure, uh, your tears cured my blindness, things like that, and it's just one line, the song isn't about blindness, but that's what I'm looking for, little references in music to blindness or eyesight, that'd be great, I'd also love if anyone has any technical advice, that would be great. I don't know why I'm whispering this bit, but I, I technically, I am an idiot. I think that's the thing I've said most here, isn't it? That I'm an idiot. I'm not that idiot. I've got a master's degree. You know, I'm pretty smart. I've got a first class degree, mate. But that's not in technical stuff. I don't know uh, what the best way to record and edit a podcast is. I found a couple of articles online that advise me, but if there's anyone out there, I know I've got a few technical savvy friends, so... I'd love any advice about how to make this sound better, how to edit it, that sort of thing. That would be great. I'd also just love to chat. You know, if some of the stuff you're going to hear in the rest of this podcast or you've heard already is giving you food for thought, drop me a message. And the best place for all of these things to get me, uh, get me on my email address. My professional email address is uh, benwillsactor at outlook.com. So that's Wills, W I. Double L S. So Ben Wills actor at Outlook.com. That's the best one to get me on. That's my professional work one. Also get me on Twitter at Ben Wills Actor. And I'm sure uh, a lot of my friends will be listening to this. So you'll already have me on Facebook and that sort of thing. So drop me a message or a text or a WhatsApp or a write on my MySpace page or um hit me up on MSN Messenger. Although retro references. And write me a letter. I love writing letters. Yeah, so I'd love to hear from some of you. That would be great. Any of those things, anything you want to chat about, I'm here. Give me a buzz, mate. Drop me a line. You are on email, aren't you? Are you on email? So uh, the other day, I uh, I was in my living room, I just sat down on the sofa, and all of a sudden, from the corner of my room, came Paul Hollywood's voice. I, I, I'm not lying, it happened. 
I have no idea how or what. No, I do have an idea why. But, you know, at the time, I was massively confused. Imagine that, just being in your living room, and all of a sudden, the disembodied voice of a famous baker comes from the corner of your room, and you've no idea why. I, I'll be honest with you, I did a little poo. I was terrified. I started to panic. And then I realised that I'd, uh, I'd sat on the TV remote, and I just I couldn't see that the TV had turned on. Yeah. A little bit embarrassing. You know, I was ready to punch him in the face, that, you know, smug, scouse, baker. Very cleverly stopped myself from swearing there. Hope you appreciate that. But, you know, the point is, not being able to see more than a couple of metres, maybe even less than that, has its disadvantages, you'll be surprised to hear. And uh, I often lose my bearings or get lost these days. And, you know, in big places. I was in London the other day, uh, and I had to find, uh, I had to, actually had to find Moorfields Eye Hospital, and it took me hours. You know, you'd think they'd make an eye hospital easy to see, you know. No, but they do actually, it's just me being, you know, getting lost and being blind. And it, I get lost so often now, just so annoying. I have to allow so much more time. Because <laughs> even in places I know really well, I, at least my bearings, I kind of turn away for a second and all of a sudden I've lost my bearings. The other day... I got lost in my kitchen. Yeah, in my kitchen. And that makes it sound like my kitchen must be huge and I must live in a mansion. It's a normal-sized kitchen. You know, maybe a little bit smaller than average. No, it's not smaller than average. It's about average. I just put some on the counter, uh, dropped the spoon on the floor, and I turned around really quickly. And I looked up, and I couldn't see where everything was. I, I completely lost my bearings, and it took me about... I don't know, for like hours, but it can't be more than about 20 seconds, I suppose, to find my bearings again in my own bloody kitchen. And uh, I spent far too much time in the kitchen trying to get stuff from that fridge. And it's a place I know very well. Uh, particularly after dark, I struggle. Uh, they refer to it as, as night blindness, when you've only got any kind of sight in one eye, or you've got tunnel vision, and I've got you know, tunnel vision and only one of my eye works. Well, not, only one of my eyes works, you know. I get night blindness. Uh, it means at night I am essentially blind. Uh, in the dark, I, I can't see a thing. And that's why, you know, nightclubs are a write-off these days. It's why until, you know, well, no, even now I, I'm i avoiding at all costs being out on my own after dark. Well, actually, that's not true at all. I avoid all costs being out on my own after dark full stop, whether I'm on my own or not. Because I'm too proud to ask for help, which is another matter completely. And I get lost, you know. I, I, uh, well, I live on a, a corner of a cul-de-sac, and uh, I walked around that corner the day in the dark. I just literally, I got dropped off in a car just around the corner. I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll be fine. I'll, uh, I'll walk to my front door." And I got lost in about ten meters. It took me fifteen minutes <laughs> to walk ten meters. Round a corner, so embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. I don't, that's, I suppose, the bigger point here. I'm rambling now, and I'm going off on a tangent, but it's an important tangent. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with this tangent. I'm gonna see where it leads. Is that I'm very, I'm a stupidly proud person. I think it's a, it's a stereotype that comes with men, isn't it? That we don't like to ask for help. You know, we don't like to ask for directions. That sort of thing. We don't go and go to the doctors when we really need to. I don't go and seek counselling or therapy when we really need to. And I completely fit that stereotype. Absolutely. 100%. But 
And that is becoming a problem because there are times now when I need help. You know, I really do. And I and I don't get the help that's available. You know, that guy dropped me off at the end of my road. I could have just said, actually, mate, do you mind taking me to my front door? You know, I'm blind. It would be easier for me. That wouldn't have been a problem. It wouldn't have been an issue. But instead, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that'll be fine. That'll be absolutely fine. Not a problem, mate. I ended up getting lost and having a really... You know, having a minor panic attack, minor panic attack about the fact that I was lost. Another good example of this is, uh, like I said, I'm an actor and theatre person, and I went to the theatre the other day. Uh, and as I walked in with my white stick, uh, one of the stewards was right there and asked, "Oh, do you do you want shown to your seat?" He obviously he could see that I was blind. I had my white stick. I had the uh, audio description headset with me, and I went. No, 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 don't, don't be silly, I'm fine, oh, I don't need help, oh, I really did, I, I, I walked up the staircase, I had no idea where my seat was, what row I was, it took me fucking ages to find it, and what, what is wrong with me that I can't just ask for help when I need it, when it's available, not even ask for help, accept help that's offered, and this is such typical me, I'm so stubborn, and awkward, and I refuse to rely on other people, and I want to be independent, and I want to, you know, be my own man, and I've always been like that, even before this, I want to be seen as strong, and fine, and oh, no, he doesn't need help, he's independent, and then what's wrong with me, that's such a stupid thing, and it's, it's causing now, it always has, but even more so now, it is causing massive problems for me, and I need to, I need to stop it, I really need to sort it out. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, another ridiculous encounter I did the other day. This time, from someone else, not me. I was walking on the road. I was walking to the gym. Yeah, I go to the gym. Yeah, that's, you know, explains why I'm you know, so sexy. Um, and a guy on a bike just pulled up next to me, and he quickly asked me, Have you got the time, mate? And I said, Oh, yeah, not a problem. And I reached to my pocket, and that is when he saw my white stick and realised I was blind and started to panic. Yeah, he was like, "Oh no, no, oh it's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, I didn't realise you. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, don't, don't, don't bother." And I was like, "No, no, it's all right. I'm just gonna look at my phone and, and read you the time." And he was like, "No, no, it's fine. Don't, worry. I don't need to. Uh, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm really, I shouldn't have asked. Uh, it's really, really bad of me." And I was like, "No, honestly, mate, I'm just, I've got the phone in my hand. I, I can tell you the time." He's like, "No, sorry. I, I, I'll ask someone else. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry." And I was like, "I don't want to offend you or anything." If it's okay with you, I don't want to offend you or upset you, I'm going to tell you the time now. Is that okay? And he panicked, no, no, it's fine, and got on his bike and rode off. But before he did, he delivered the killer line. I think you're so brave. Well done. Keep it up. Warning, swear word coming here. Fuck off. Get in the fucking sea, mate. Well done for being so brave. Sod off. I was walking down the road eating a mini roll. Mini roll with raspberry in the middle. Beautiful. That's, that doesn't make me brave. You don't know if I'm brave or not. You don't know anything about me. And uh, the whole panicking because you've seen someone with a disability. Shut up. All right. Just because there's a, you know, an obvious signifier that someone's disabled, has a disability, you know, they're still human beings. You know, some of us are quite nice, actually. Prick. Oh, it made me so angry. And that oh, you're so brave. That is, I'm getting that a lot, actually. People have the best intentions, but they say things like, oh, 
You're dealing with this so well. Aren't you doing well? No, I'm not actually. In some ways, yeah, I might be. I'm, you know, I'm still going out there and doing stuff. I'm trying to anyway, but in other ways, I'm really not. You know, I just because you like the funny Facebook statuses that I post on Facebook, or you've seen me out and about on my white stick, doesn't mean you have the right to say, oh, you're doing so well. Oh, aren't you doing well? You patronising bastards. Actually, sometimes I'm not doing well. Just because you've seen me on the situations in the on the occasions that I am doing well, doesn't mean that there aren't occasions where I'm dealing with it absolutely terribly, because honestly, there are. I've had a fair few days where I've just sat in my room, under my duvet, doing nothing and drinking, getting drunk. That is not dealing with it well. That is dealing with it in the worst possible way. I've tried to shut off my friends and not tell them the truth for years. And even now I'm trying to do that and trying to avoid it. That's one of the reasons I want to do this podcast. That is not dealing with it well. All right? So don't... When you don't know the full situation, patronise me by saying, Oh, you're so brave. Aren't you brave? Well done for daring to walk down the road, even though you've got a white stick in your hand. Shut up. Get in the sea. You're like a clad toadstool of a pricking, twatting... No, that's not no swearing rules not going well here, is it? My point is, as a great man once said, don't be a dick. So that was episode one. Um, I have absolutely no idea if this is going to be any good or not. I apologise if it didn't make much sense. It was a little bit of a stream of consciousness. A few things that I had to get off my chest, as you've probably gathered. I also apologise if the sound quality wasn't that great. Like I said earlier, I'd love some advice and all that. I don't really know what I'm doing. And hopefully the future episodes will be a little bit more structured. I've got a few ideas lined up of people I can uh, interview and talk to about talk to about this sort of thing. Uh, I'm hoping to talk to a few people in my own life about my own visual impairment and talk to other people out there in the world who have visual impairments. I, I know a few people. I'm going to hunt down a few more people. And then I'll probably do a few more episodes as well that are like this, a little bit of a stream of consciousness. You know, I'll mix things up with a few interviews, a few of me rambling on. And uh, we'll see what happens. I, if this goes well, if people like it, I'm going to try and do a few more. I found it a really useful exercise for me. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much for listening and downloading or whatever people do with podcasts these days. I've really enjoyed this. Hopefully you have too. And uh, a new episode will be popping up in no time at all. Uh, keep on keeping on, everyone. Love you, bye.